0: This is Spectra's first episode. On a rainy day in March, I chatted with co-founder Alex Fine, who is one part of Dame Products. She and her partner Janet Lieberman created Eva, a hands-free clitoral vibrator for women. Their product was so popular and one of the most successful campaigns on Indiegogo. I originally met the Dame duo a few months before the launch of their Indiegogo campaign in 2014, as I was one of their beta testers. We are recording now. So, welcome, Alex. Thanks for meeting me today. You're very welcome. Anything for an early beta tester. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, how did you and Janet meet and eventually partner up?
1: Yeah. So, Jan and I, first of all, we met and partnered up on like the same day, pretty much, which I think is crazy. Um, we were both trying to start sex toy companies independently,
0: right?
1: And I had been to like every meetup, gathering of engineers under the sun, looking for a lady engineer yeah. that could help me kind of create this idea I had, bring it to life. Um, and then, shortly after giving up on that, she started going and she immediately met people who said something to her like, Oh, my roommate met you last week, or my. Uh, like oh I met your co-founder you know things like they just kept on bringing me up to her in some way yeah but also assuming that we were already working together and then she third time it happened like figured out who I was got my contact information reached out and um we went out for brunch and it was just really apparent from the the second that we met, that we had complementary skill sets, I and mean, could probably be better together than apart. I think it was definitely one of our, one of my bigger, like a uh, bigger risk that I'm sure she feels like she took too, that really just paid off.
0: Yeah, was, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, she's great, and like, very lucky.
0: Yeah. Um, when you developed Eva, did you anticipate such success?
1: You know, people always ask us this, and I feel like it's I'm supposed to be like, no, I had no idea. Like, no, I thought it was a really good idea. Yeah. Like, I was willing to put my money into it and spend my time doing it because I thought there was a real need that women were going to want this product and that men would be really excited about it as well. And, I mean, right before it launched, Janet did try to make, like, not try, she made like one of those thermostats on mm-hmm. the, on a board and actually put like our goal as like 200 because some other, there was one other sex toy company that had done more than $200,000 so we thought, alright, that would be like insane. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of got all like, don't do that, it's too high, like I'm going to look at this thermostat and it's going to always be low and I'm going to be really like upset about it. So, while like I, I, you know, obviously I really believed in it, then also right before we launched I was like, you know, it, it has to be more than just a good idea to, for it to succeed. I have lots of thoughts about that. A lot of companies are all about being, like, discretion and sex toys,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, you know, and I agree, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to walk around with, like, my bag full of sex toys that be see-through, and like, everybody can see what I'm carrying, like, I think it's this really private and special thing, but I struggle with the word discreet, and I really like the word intimate. Yeah.
0: It's hard. So regarding the beta testing pool, how personal was the testing and what was the most surprising data discovered?
1: Great questions. Okay, so the testing was really personal. I mean, I think we had everybody from people who literally just filled out the survey and sent it back to us, which would be like the least personal, to people who like came in and took off their pants and showed us whether or not how the product was working. Um, So that's very personal. Um, and it was incredibly informative because it's hard. It's really difficult for... It's one thing to be like, it worked or it didn't work. It's another thing to really be able to explain why it didn't work. You know, this is a part of your body that, like, some women literally just have never taken a mirror or two. And now I'm asking you to describe how something stayed in place in your vulva. Right. And we're like, wait, what's a vulva? So that was, challenging. But, yeah, so that was definitely... We had a range of how personal it was, um, and we, we even had we, we even had people who said that you know this was like the first time they ever had an orgasm during intercourse. So like that's just really personal information that we got from from the feedback. Um, and then the most surprising data was so the whole idea is that the product stays in place on its own it does not stay in place on its own in every position mm-hmm. for, and for every, every body type. <laughs> like, there's just no way, like, when people ask me that question, I'm like, look, I didn't glue it there, you know? Like, of course it pops out in, when you're moving around, and I think that's a good thing to a certain extent. Um, but what we did find is generally speaking, missionary and, like, lady on top, which are your probably your most typical, it, kind of depending on the angle, even though that's, that's data I didn't really get, that's how those are the positions it stays in place better for. And then doggy style where like gravity is really working against you is usually where it's most challenging. Mm -hmm. But we were often getting people who would say that didn't stay in place as well in doggy style, favorite position.
0: So favorite position was doggy doggy style. style. Mm -hmm. They were like, I had no problem putting
1: my hand there. It was really easy to put my hand there. And like, I liked that. Because mm-hmm. so really, what I learned from that data was that it wasn't just about it being hands free. They like just we always ask people, do you like this product more than just holding a vibrator in place? Right. People are like, it's just easier to hold this. In like, it's easier to like keep it in place with just my fingertips, even in this position. Um, and I it definitely expanded what it means for the product to be successful.
0: Right. So, can you elaborate more on the the pleasure gap between men and women?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like people often talk about the orgasm gap, and the orgasm gap would point to information about how men are twice as likely to have an orgasm during sex than their lady partner. Um, And this is, I feel pretty confident that the the data is only for heterosexual couples. Um, And it even showed that in relationships, like, you it would still be like maybe a 70% chance that the, uh, the female partner was gonna have an orgasm. Um, and that just that just doesn't need to be the case, like for so many reasons. Um, I think there's reasons why it's the case. Everything from the fact that, like, well, generally, if the, let's say there's a 50 50 chance that one of us is gonna orgasm first, but if I orgasm first, we can keep going, and if you orgasm first, we can't. So like, that's really just in and of itself going to be limiting and, but there's no reason why we can't continue to masturbate after like my my boyfriend and I, like he'll definitely like finger me after we have sex. If I still, if I'm not satisfied, um, and you know, like we should be doing more things like that and encouraging it. I think a lot of guys feel like sex is done once they orgasm. Um but we also wanted to expand it because some women have a really hard time orgasming and orgasming isn't the end all be all of sex, which is like this odd thing that's like part of the vicious cycle of how we think about sex and the problems with sex. You know, we have to, you know, we wanted to kind of stay away from orgasm, which is also really tough in marketing because people like definitely search the internet for like, how do I orgasm? Not how do I get more sexual pleasure? Um, but we wanted to focus on a more holistic experience of sexuality. And so we looked at other data. And also, there was this one article that we read that the data is a little bit old. I think it was from 2010. But it had this, it has people, how, um, how pleasurable has your sex life been? Right. Women were four, to- five, four times more likely to say that sex was not at all pleasurable in the last year. Hmm. And like, it's like one thing to not be having as many orgasms. Like that is, that's, that's rough.
0: Right. So that means that there's no enjoyment in this connection and this intimacy. Which is
1: just like so disheartening, you know? And it's tough too because there are a lot of women out there who say, you know, they're in happy sexless marriages. And I think that that is, like, who am I to say that that's, your life is less than because you're not having a fulfilling sex life. Right. Um, so I'm not gonna say that.
0: Right. <laughs> so- <laughs> well, that leads me to my next question, right. <laughs> which is why is sexual pleasure important?
1: You know what? This is, I'm realizing even through just like talking about it now, it's just, for me, sexual pleasure is this like incredible human experience, right? It's like this thing that everybody around the world does, no matter what culture you're in, like everybody has this shared, expi- not like with each other, but arguably sort of all together. Like we're all like in this one human orgy. And I think that is beautiful. I think that sex is this, you know, This animal it's like, you know, sex, eating, shitting, like what those things are just make us human and I love the way that it feels when you feel like like this really raw form of myself when I'm having sex and I feel like beautiful and connected and it just and creative, you know? Like I don't know, for me it feels like, it just adds so much to, to who I am. Uh, even, like, the power, like, I think even from a young age, like, when I was in first grade, my, my principal told my mom that I was the class doctress. doctoress. And my mom was so offended. My mom was like, how dare you say that at about a six-year-old? But, like, my high school principal was right. Like, I was aware that, like, there were certain things as a girl. I knew how to flirt. I knew how to, like, get boys to do things for the girls and, like, would convince them to, like, I don't know. I I was just really bossy, too, so there's that. It got less bossy. Uh, (laughs) But when I was six, I really peaked. That was was really it for me. Um, (laughs) And I think that, you know, our sexualities are just a source of, like, can be a source of real power, Yeah. and, yeah, I don't know, I guess, like, it, it just doesn't have to be, and I feel like it's probably unfair to say, it, like, it has to be. There's also plenty of asexuals out there who, I guess, say they're having fulfilling lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Then, I never
1: take that away from them. Right. But then I also, as my own
0: personal, I'm like,
1: what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, I read that it was difficult for you to get a small business loan when you were starting. Um, It was due to the sexual nature of your product. Have you faced any similar blocks?
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So the story of that is, it wasn't when we were just starting the business. It was after we had considerable revenue and had, I think, already proven ourselves as Oh man, I can never say the word winner anymore without thinking of like Donald Trump. Like, I I can never want to say winner or loser.
0: Oh gosh. You know what I mean? Right, or Charlie Sheen for that matter. Charlie (laughs) Sheen's
1: like, it's not about winning, but we, we, I think we had proven that we were not as risky of a company anymore and that we really would be able to pay back any debt that we were taking, especially compared to a lot of other businesses that in in our situation or that had been around for as long as we had. Um, and the SBA loan says that they will not that these government subsidized loans are not applicable to companies who make most of their revenue from a product of an indecent sexual nature. And I just feel like somebody wrote the word indecent in there for a reason, and we make products of a decent sexual nature.
0: Right.
1: And everybody's just like, that's not what it means. They're saying all sex is indecent. And it's just like that cannot. I mean, it probably someone's probably right. I don't know, but like that—that just—that blows my mind. That—that that we would use language to talk about sex like that. Like, it, it's just such a good example of like this undercurrent of shame and taboo that like impacts the way we think about sex.
0: You said the name of the loan was an SBCA loan. SBA. SBA. I mean, something it. And it's gov- like a government-funded loan. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. government. I wonder if there's anything in our like constitution. Well, you know, and it also does not just
1: just to play devil's advocate against myself right. for a second, it does, it also, there's no guns, no marijuana, obviously, um, nothing political, I think, or religious. But like sex, drugs, guns, are these three things that we as a society have placed regulation on in the ad world. I'm literally trying to help people have more pleasure, literally to fill their body with endorphins and oxytocin to make them feel like more connected and like you're putting the same regulations on me as somebody who like, sells guns right it's crazy I mean it's like also goes back to like how as a society we're so much more comfortable watching like war films than we are like beautiful erotic sex scenes
0: or even just talking about beautiful erotic well, sex scenes yeah Um. so how do you advertise
1: we don't we, we, we I mean this is advertisement, right? I mean, so we do awareness and we try to get the word out there about what we're doing through other mediums, like by having really interesting dialogue with, you know, a reporter at BuzzFeed, or 29, L. like all of those places are, there's an audience there that is really interested in what we're doing and is even more interested about hearing it from kind of, from other people like there's this really strong word of mouth um, culture like when somebody else if I tell you that my sex toy is amazing like that's one thing when you're if you're like if your girlfriend tells you it's amazing like
0: you're gonna listen to her you're gonna listen to her (laughs) and so
1: you know that's really what we do we're also exploring other advertising channels I'm I think a lot about advertising in porn like on porn on porn sites because
0: that's Oh, yeah. Something we could do. Um, Have you touched on that or not yet? You're just thinking about it. I just think about it. I just think about, like, how could we do that in
1: the right way? Like, I'm not trying to distance myself because, or I'm not trying to distance damn from it because I think all porn is bad. But it, to some people, it just is. And it's like, how many stigmas can we fight at once? Right. You know? And by just, like, focusing in on one or two at a time, we could probably just be more impactful. Two on those. Um, and I think porn is a really challenging one.
0: Instead sort of having these like censorship walls in advertising um, and even like questioning whether you wanna like, how you wanna advertise Dame, mm-hmm. it's as if you're also able to look at what you're Company is and promoting, and sort of create a dialogue around it that's really positive. definitely.
1: Yeah. I, I agree,
0: which I think is really cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you think we can get rid of uh, the taboo around sex?
1: Oh my god, can I say something? Do we want to? I
0: think that we. I mean, like, I... I, I'm okay with, like, of course. I see what you mean by, like, the taboo of, like, oh, it's secretive. It's something between someone else. Something like, alluring about it, right? right?
1: Like, there's something fun about doing something bad. Right. So it's, like, that's, like, such a struggle. I think about this shit all the time, and I have (laughs) no good answer. I think that, like, we definitely need to get rid of any double... The double standards is really the, the stuff that pisses me off. Like... I hate it when I hear guy friends who are becoming fathers talk about letting their daughter stay out to different curfews or feeling like, you know, you just hear, like, they're like, oh, what, I'd be worried about her safety. I just, like, want to punch them in the face. Like, like that's, like, the beginning of, like, you, you are weak. People are going to take advantage of you. Like, just, like, that whole rhetoric really bothers me. Like, I, like, want to encourage my daughter to, like, use men. Not really but I kind of (laughs) do, I kind of
0: do. We'll Uh, just show her that she has
1: power. Yeah, it's like I think there should be like revenge porn for women, like why not? Like why is that only in bat? why is that only revenge for the girl? I don't understand that at all and I just feel like (laughs) if we just started doing it, maybe it would work and like kill the whole thing. Like, I don't know, Um, what was the question? Oh, how do we remove the shame of sex? Right. Well, it's intimate, right? And it's private, and those things are okay,
0: right? Yeah.
1: For I mean, like I mean, it's fun to like have sex in a room of people, probably.
0: Oh yeah, or I'm sure like voyeurs and yeah. anyone watching porn, right? <laughs> but but like even that like the appeal of it is because you're not supposed to be
1: watching it. So I feel like the fact that it's intimate and private, that part makes sense. And like, like I don't know if I, you, people to be comfortable like pooping in front of a room full of people, right? Like that's also intimate and private in this whole other different way. Mm -hmm. And you would feel shamed if like you peed your pants in front of a bunch of of people. And I guess I would feel shamed if all of a sudden like I was having sex and like the walls dropped and like my whole family was there. Like that would be, I would be embarrassed. But I think part of that makes sense. It's like trying to figure out where does it no longer make sense, and where is, when is it, to me the problem with the shame is when it becomes, when we only place it on one gender.
0: Right.
1: Which I feel like is happening.
0: Yeah. What do you think? No, I'm, I'm all ears. I agree with, like, the double standard. Like, I was at, like, Fort Tilden, like, A month ago Mm -hmm. oh no a couple weeks ago and we went swimming and I like took my top down and I was just like swimming in the ocean no one gave a shit that my tits were out yeah and then I like went and laid on the sand and my friend and I were talking to each other no one was looking at us no one whistled at us no one said anything to us and like I feel that even though there's like outside constraints like a dad telling his daughter you need to be more careful than His son does, but as a woman, you sort of feel those constraints. Like, Mm. I can't walk around with my boobs out or my nipples showing because someone will say something to me. Like it's a a rule imposed on me. It it is. And it sucks.
1: Oh, okay.
0: That does suck.
1: My uncle, I feel so bad when I talk about people in public, but whatever, it's a true story. Well, he lives in California with his daughter and they live like on the beach Really close and so they're always on the beach and his daughter turned out like in college and I think a senior
0: mm-hmm.
1: So they're friends, you know, and them all have bodies now and I remember when like they they wear bikinis and he My uncle I remember saying something like I really wish that these girls weren't allowed to wear such skimpy bikinis. And clearly he was uncomfortable by it. Hmm. And I I, I just wanted to be like, you're the one with the problem, not them. And not in the mean way, like, I'm sure it must be really uncomfortable to be a middle-aged dude and feel like, oh my God, there are attractive 15-year-old girls like on the bathing suit. Like, yeah, that sounds like an uncomfortable situation. Hmm. But like, you need to deal with that internally. And it's not, I'm with you on this naked thing too.
0: Right.
1: It's also, people always tell me I'm doing things for attention.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I always feel like, what if I just wanna be naked?
0: Right. Like I feel most comfortable that way. What if I just, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's hot out.
0: Like, yeah, sometimes certain outfits look better without a bra. Oh my and God, I love those oh my, I feel so free. And also really hot, but I love it because I'm the only one who knows I'm hot right now because I'm like, yeah. God, my boobs are out. <laughs> like, I feel good. Like, they kind of bounce when I'm walking, Yeah, and it feels, like, liberating. <laughs> it does.
1: My brother was, like, felt like he was annoyed at some of, like, the free the nipple stuff. He was like, I just get the sense that some people are not doing it for the right reasons, and like, don't get it.
0: What is? But what I, is the right reason? Reason.
1: I. Yeah. I don't remember. Whether what I'm you want to
0: show like, off your nipples for attention or just have the ability to do mm-hmm. so, like there really is no right or wrong reason around that. I totally agree. It's like that. That's your. It's our bodies. Yeah. And I guess
1: there's probably a certain level of like public sanitation that goes along with that like that's like the only I'm trying to think of like real logical reasons why people shouldn't walk around naked all the time protection
0: from the weather well protection sunburn (laughs) okay it's cold sanitary and then there's
1: like some sanitary reasons Mm -hmm. definitely and there's probably a few sanitary reasons yeah but that's not your top it's not your boobs
0: And men can be shirtless in certain areas, like parks. I mean, it's great that in New York, a woman can be topless.
1: But then they also mean like breasts, I think, are a secondary sexual characteristic for women and not for men, right? Is that right? Yeah.
0: Um, How do you balance work life and personal time? The other day,
1: I thought about like deciding what kind of percentage of time a week in my waking hours I wanted to spend on everything and then realized that that was a crazy person talking and like, I've been listening to like too much Tim Ferriss or something. <laughs> uh, like I was like, not a good idea. I was like, like, I think it's setting strong goals for myself and if I feel tired, then go to sleep, you know? Like, and get up and go for a walk. If I, if I can't concentrate, um, I've also, when I first started the business, I thought that being an entrepreneur meant working really late and that like that was cool or something. But like it's not. I wanna I wanna read Atlas Shrugged, right? Like I want I've been like learning the ukulele a little bit and I wanna be finding time for hobbies because it makes me feel like a more full person, which is probably also why I feel like sexuality is so important. It's like just part of like who you become, and I feel like in New York we all become our jobs. It's yeah. like so in, intense in New York, and it's tough because they're just you know I am taking in investor money now, and I really want to grow this company. I, I want to be like a badass vibrator mogul, you know, like I like nice clothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you and Dame? Yeah um
1: we are launching our next product and it's another couple's product but you can also really use this one for solo play as
0: well well thank you for meeting with me thanks for listening to the first episode of spectra special thanks to alex for chatting with me you can check out their vibrators at dameproducts.com Extra special thanks to our content editor, Annalise Jeske, and our audio engineer, Matt Lebowitz. Until next time.